0: Bill Otman, the CEO and designer of Minds, a, a social media platform that's open source, that's anti-spying. Uh, that's uh, you know he was has been on Joe Rogan twice. I got introduced to him there. Uh, just a fantastic platform. He he fights the battle. He fights. The censorship battle constantly. Uh, he's getting, you know, attacked from from sources and from outlets, and um, it's it's a fascinating discussion on social media and where. Uh, Where it should be, where it plays, what it should be doing, what its responsibility is doing. His minds, M I N D S platform. Again, uh, we're going to, you know, uh, be on it. Uh, We're going to publish everything on our podcast here. But just a fascinating, fascinating young man. He's actually from my same area, from the uh, great state of Connecticut, and uh, really enjoyed this conversation. We talk about Facebook. We talk about. Uh, some uh a paper he recently put out about censorship and some fascinating statistics about extremists and and how they're radicalized less than two percent of the time online etc uh, but it's a it's a great platform uh bill is a, a fascinating man he, he's he's fighting the fight of censorship trying to give everybody out there you know a chance and not trying to you know de platform, and you know we get into that. What's what's good and, and what's not, what's available. But really enjoy talking to Bill. I hope to do it more often. And Minds is a, a great place to be. Small changes in your in your surfing and your web browsing. Change your browser every once in a while. Go over to Minds. Go into different areas. Will really really uh, help your overall outlook and uh, view uh, viewership on on the internet. Great conversation with Bill Ottman. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Joey Pins. People ask me, how did I lose 130 pounds? The quick answer is always discipline. I started my business, wasn't paying attention to my health, was eating too much, you know, drinking too much sweets. My daughter was born. Next thing I know, I'm pre-diabetic, I have hypertension. I knew something had to change. Discipline. I, like many of you, have faced many challenges in your career, in your family, in your life, in your faith. How did you attack them? How did you approach them? How did you solve them, hopefully? It all had to have some degree of discipline. I'm also asked, how did you found and start a tech business that lasted over 25 years? Discipline. I was committed to it, enjoyed technology, didn't enjoy some aspects of it, but knew it was necessary. Discipline, our podcast mission, how do we use discipline to better ourselves and society? Join me, please, as I talk to interesting people and discuss how they use discipline in their family and their passion and their careers and how it helped them. Our podcast vision, growth through learning from others. Joey Pins Discipline Conversations. It'll be light and serious. Join us, please. Thank you for consideration. Bill Ottman, thanks so much for uh, for your time today. So, why why is it important that we have a you know anti-spying open source blockchain social media platform?
1: I mean, anti. Why is it important that we have an anti-spying network? <laughs> um, maybe I don't want to be spied on. <laughs> It's funny that you know we we ask that, and I it's yeah. There's this funny kind of meme going around where people are like, ah, oh, you know, I don't really have anything to hide, right? Like, I don't know if I really care if they're if they're spying on me, but I think that that's sort of like a false argument. I don't think people actually believe that. I think it's just a a coping statement to to justify it. I mean, there's all kinds of reasons in our lives where you know we want privacy and every which everybody understands i mean you don't make your whole life public you know you don't just hand your phone to you don't publish all the contents of your phone to the world so you do care about privacy you're just saying that to make yourself
0: feel better about being abused (laughs) yeah i I think that's it and you know, Bill, I, I I see you, and I I see your interviews. I see the work that you've done, you do, and it 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 seems to me you're just fighting a battle that's just so much bigger than just the platform that you have. Bigger than minds, yeah. It's for accurate. Sure.
1: It's become well, yeah. I mean, a lot. I mean, we've been around for like a decade, and all of our original theses about transparency for users, privacy. Um ownership, monetization, rewards, you know, putting power kind of back in the hands of the creators, you know, that's all coming true. And you know, whether you look at the creator economy or the explosion of crypto, um, even like privacy tools have become much more popular than when we first started, and there's like a whole industry built up uh, in all of these areas. So, you know, that's very validating. I'm really happy to see that there's a bunch of competition in the space. It's yes, it is way bigger than us. It's not about us. You know, we're just one solution. And, um, you know, I think that the momentum is, is going right, is going exactly where we hoped it would.
0: Yeah. Because you're constantly, you you let's talk about, let's go right into the the, the, the excellent piece that you and and Daryl wrote, Daryl Davis, of course, and others. The you know the censorship effect and um, some of some of the statistics. Two percent of extreme radicalization is only online. Seventy percent radicalization alone is alone prior to joining the group. Less than seventeen percent radicalization is done online, and we you know there's just always this kind of myth that gets tossed around that so much radicalization is happening online.
1: Exactly. I think that, you know, it's definitely true that, I mean, yeah, you can get brainwashed online, but when, you know, we we kind of have to separate cognitive radicalization with actual violent extremism, there's a huge Mm. difference. And, you know, most people who, um, you know, go down some more extreme rabbit holes online do not escalate into violent extremism the, the 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 majority of that type of activity is happening offline um because you know if you're a real terrorist, you know to be careful online. Hmm. so you're not just gonna be kind of um, risking your plans online and they they kind of have much more covert physical. Networks. And, you know, in the same way that you can get, you know, fall into ideal, like harmful ideology online, the opposite can happen too. So it's just as much of a tool for education and de radicalization as it is for radicalization. I mean, look, Hmm. I I don't think that it's a news flash that the internet is a net positive for humanity. I mean, Hmm. like, You know, in in the West, in in kind of developed democratic countries, I think we're getting a little bit spoiled where, you know, you look at North Korea, China, I mean, they can't even access basic information Hmm. on the Internet. It's like this huge propaganda machine and. So people in authoritarian countries look at us and they're like, well, wait a second. So you're trying to censor the internet? Wait a second. <laughs> mm. I'm just trying to like, get basic access to information over here. I'm trying to fight censorship over here, in, whether it's Thailand or Vietnam or North Korea. So these people look at us like we're just entitled right. you know, crazy people. So it's, it just goes to show how you can get so wrapped up. In, in ideology and thinking that you're doing the right thing, hate speech, misinformation, you know, these things are obviously prob- problematic, but that doesn't mean that you just drop the ban hammer and, you know, because the, the consequences of that are are so devastating.
0: Hmm. Hmm. So why are there billions of people on Facebook when everybody knows what they do?
1: You know, I don't think, I'm not like some sort of privacy, like, absolutist in mm. terms of oh well so here's the thing like transparency and privacy are sort of this paradox like we we believe a, you know completely in transparency all of our code is open source um you know there's a beautiful thing about people you know sharing information every day being being more transparent about their thoughts and I, you know that that aids in this sort of global evolution that's happening at the same time, you want to make sure that when you are trying to share private information in a chat or whatnot, that it's end-to-end encrypted so that the network can't read your stuff. I mean, mm. the like, on, so on Mines, all the private messages we don't even have access to. We don't want access to them. That just seems like weird to even <laughs> that these platforms even want access nice. in the first place. Um, so I think, like on Twitter, Gmail, Facebook, like the, it's not that there's like people reading your messages, but there are computers reading your messages and they're scanning everything for keywords and they're using that to, to target you and, you know, kind of sort you in, in various ways. So I think that, you know, people stay there because uh, let's be real. I mean, Instagram, all these big tech apps are really nice apps. I mean, they're, they're, they're beautifully designed. They, they work well. They, they, you know, did Serve a really and still do serve an important purpose in global communication. Um, it's just that they're they've kind of started to rot and they've become completely corrupt. So I try to differentiate. The tools are are built by brilliant people. Some of the smartest people in the world look, work at these companies. The design is amazing, um, but you know the guts. they're you know the the sort of. Um, the core of of how the apps are treating users is is completely corrupt. So I think that people stay there because there's critical mass there, because the tools work extremely well. So it's a combination of those things. There's not just one reason.
0: I mean, but doesn't it always come down to money? Bill I mean they're getting huge sponsorships that are paying a lot of money so they can target their messages even finer and more precise and by doing that they want to hear they want to see what you're chatting about they want to see where you're going they want to chase you all over so they can target you and sell you their stuff so i mean sure. Facebook has a board of directors I, I know you do as well but you know you know and they're they've got a bottom line they're publicly traded you know is it just at the fundamental core Is it just money?
1: No, I don't think it is just money. I think really? that if if it was just money, then they wouldn't be going on these censorship sprees. Because, hmm. you know, think. L- l- let's take one uh, one case on YouTube, which I think is pretty kind of telling. So, you know, and I'm I'm not endorsing this person one way or the other. I I certainly think that they have a right to to be on the platform. But uh, are you familiar with Stephen Crowder? I am not. So he's like a huge conservative commentator on YouTube. He do you ever seen those like memes about like change? He sits at a table and like people come up. He has the series called Change My Mind. Oh yes. So it's that guy. Yes, um, yes. And so, you know, he's a self-identified conservative. Good for him. That's his right. But he got like completely demonetized on YouTube. And, you know, he probably said a couple of offensive things or whatnot. But, you know, the reality is that they said that, hey, we're going to demonetize you because you're not advertiser friendly. But what does that really mean? Because we so he's getting millions of views. He has his own advertisers on his own website. Hmm. There are undoubtedly countless advertisers that would love to advertise on top of him. But yet YouTube is saying he's not advertiser friendly. Well, maybe to certain advertisers fine, but for sure, there are a whole realm of advertisers that would be happy to be on, you know, to, to run on, you know, really conservative content. And so I think that that's just a, it's an excuse that they use. And you would think that it would be hurting their bottom line to be, you know, demonetizing these, you know, multi-million subscriber channels because that's limiting, you know, the, the, the ads that they're serving. So, you know, that's what sort of leads me to believe that there is kind of an ideological element. Like there, they are willing to lose advertising revenue in order to, you know, appease a certain group of, um, of interests and, and advertisers potentially. So, you know, but, but ultimately in like, this is the stance that we take like advertisers should be able to choose who they run over. And, Mm. you know, I am sure that there are advertisers that don't want to run over Crowder, but there are many that do. And so, but, but that gets into the heart of their surveillance ad model is that they're not letting advertisers pick who they run over. They're deciding through their ad engine where they should be going. And I think, you know, there are some controls Mm -hmm. so that advertisers can, can pick, but you know, or, or kind of have input, but I just feel like it's a myth what they're saying and that they should not be politicizing their customer base. I mean, if you're selling a, you know, a coffee brand, why would you try to make it a, why would you polarize Hmm. half of your audience to say, Oh no, 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 we don't want, you know, Trump people or Biden people buying our coffee. It's like, makes no sense from a business perspective. However, it can kind of have this shorter term galvanizing effect where, you know, if a brand takes a political stance, they get like a certain tribe to really cheer them on. So, I wouldn't be surprised if in their numbers, because you do, so you see a lot of mainstream brands kind of playing into this political game and taking sides. So I think that there, they may, be, there may be some metrics where they say, oh, if we play politics, actually it's good for our numbers. I, don't, I, I really don't think that that is something that is a long-term sustainable solution. Hmm. I, 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 don't, I, I could not imagine that those numbers would hold up over time.
0: It's a really good point. I remember the, uh, Michael Jordan, uh, in one of the Carolinas, there was a, I believe a democratic Senator or a black Democrat Senator. And he asked Michael Jordan, you know, for help. And, you know, Michael Jordan famously said, you know, Republicans buy sneakers too. Right. So, yep, you know, exactly. that, that furthers your point. Um, you know, why, you know, it's bad for business to pick a side. Right. I mean, um, why would you do it?
1: And Jordan is a is a mastermind. I mean, yes. he, you know, imagine if he did that. Like, that, the, the, is it, everyone wears shoes.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's as easy yeah. as that. Yeah. You mentioned Crowder, and certainly we could talk about Alex Jones, which hits homes, obviously. We're both here in Canada. Same idea. Yeah, yeah. same idea. You, you mentioned the Streisand effect with her, uh, with him, excuse me where barbara streisand didn't want her house there in malibu to be in google maps and so she complained but yet it ended up attracting all this attention it was in the paper and uh a fascinating kind of streisand effect that actually ended up happening with alex jones when he got banned you brought out that point in one particular uh interview
1: yeah yeah for sure that's that's referenced in in the paper that we wrote as well it's uh yeah it's a real thing it's not like a 100 percent rule um it's not as if everything that gets censored always kind of gets that blowback reaction. I mean, because it's absolutely true that censorship in certain scenarios can limit the spread of information. I mean, we, we sort of see that on big tech. I mean, you know, for instance, with, um, you know, I don't know if you've heard about this Alex Berenson case on Twitter, um, but he is a... Uh, he's he's like a journalist who covers covid specifically and he got banned nice. from twitter for it. he then sued twitter got is ba- basically won to a certain degree got let back on the platform but he also got discovery into you know to be able to request records from twitter about kind of why this happened and he was able to get documents of internal twitter hmm. slack messages which Stated that the White House was telling Twitter to take him off the platform. Right. So the White House, and then we we have other cases of this popping up. And remember, Jen Psaki actually even said this in in a in a meeting in a in a press meeting that you know they were kind of in contact with social media platforms, advising them on on COVID censorship and misinformation policy. So um, that's just. Pretty unbelievable that that that's going down. But the point being with the Streisand effect, you know, in Berenson's case, like, you know, he got kicked off. Like, if you get kicked off, it's going to limit your message. And I think that he was really scared about that. Granted, I think his case, maybe even since he started winning, became an example of the Streisand effect where he's, you know, he was just on Rogan the other day talking about it. And, you know, it's completely blown up um i mean even with in in the case of mines in general like i don't know i mean there was one example where google um uh suspended us from some some of their like app stores and um and some of their programs and we we try to but we barely even use any google products um but you know i was like after that happened i was invited on tucker and rogan and it's like set, so censorship happens, but there's all kinds of people who don't have an audience who just get banned and they have no recourse. I mean, there's no way they're not, they don't have the audience to even engineer a and effect. (laughs) So most people who are getting banned are kind of screwed.
0: Yeah. I I saw Berenson on, on Rogan recently and that, that whole story was incredible. And, I believe he plans to go on and to sue the Biden administration for, for some of this stuff as well. It was just incredible. What did you think of Joe Rogan's interview with Zuckerberg? Well, I would have loved to have been sitting in a room with you, Bill, during that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was, you know, some, some crazy clips came out of it and I think yeah. Joe asked some good questions. I, there was a, there was a lot to be desired that I wish he had asked and you know, you can never remember everything to ask and, See, Joe is just so nice. I think yes. he was maybe a little bit too nice, um, but I get why he was, and I think that, you know, he would probably, you know, Zuckerberg would probably go back on, which I think is 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 good. And yeah. he is similar with the Dorsey. When Dorsey went on Rogan, everyone kind of was upset with Joe the first time, and then he had him back on, and then, you know, in the second one. Tim Poole and uh, Vijaya, who is their head of head of legal, came on as well, and it turned into a, this it's amazing debate, of, of kind of about uh, their their issues. But it's wonderful, um, yeah. I think that you know I would have asked Zuckerberg what's going on with the the audio, like wh- like why is it that people will be talking in their room and then they'll get targeted with some ad about what they were just talking about. I feel like that's this myth that is going around and everyone kind of thinks that the, the phones are listening to us to target us with ads, but no one really knows. And, you know, there's, um, Oh yeah. There, there's uncertainty around that. I've, I've heard good arguments on both sides. Definitely would have asked that, you know, and I think that, you know, there was this one clip of it that we actually posted, which got like 10 million views on Twitter which was when Zuckerberg was talking about how the FBI came to them, and you know, for like a general, uh, a general request to keep an eye out for election misinformation, which he then used as the reason why they took down or limited the uh, Hunter Biden story hmm. on on Facebook, and they put it into like they punished it in the algorithm heavily right before the election. And, you know, I would have asked more details about that, about, you know, what is this communication process between the government and Facebook and really, and, and, and Zuckerberg was also trying to say, oh, you know, we censored it way less than Twitter, like Twitter right. t- took it off, but like yep. we, we let it on. He was trying to act like some free speech supporter. Um, and, you know, I just don't, th- I, I don't think the content policy itself was grilled enough. It's like, why? And and he also was like leaning on the fact checkers. He was like, we don't want to be deciding what's true and false. That's why we have fact checkers doing mm-hmm. it. But it's like, well, wait a second. Your lawyers still draft your content policy. The fact checkers aren't drafting your content policy. They may be making sort of specific decisions on, on certain content, whether they fall into your content policy but you cannot blame the fact checkers for these mistakes your policy specifically you know has you know extreme restrictions on all different kinds of speech so i wish it had gone a little bit deeper and you know but you know maybe it will happen in the future i'll probably hit up joe at some point and and let him know uh some of those questions so maybe maybe we can get them asked but yeah, I think that the, you just see these these guys squirm around and kind of try to act like they care about free speech, but they really just don't. And you know, that's not to say that there's not threats involved with election propaganda and misinformation, but there's better ways to deal with it. I think that it's, it's just total chaos right now. So many people are just getting banned wrongly. I mean, for instance, on YouTube, So many people got banned for being critical of like masks and certain things about, um, you know, the mRNA vaccines. I'm not taking a stance on that, but a lot of people got banned for that since then in the last few weeks, YouTube has reversed their policies and now it is okay to be critical of masks and it is okay to say certain things about the vaccines, but yet those people haven't been let back on. Hmm. So... You know, I could go on forever about, you know, all of these little hypocrisies and inconsistencies. And, um, you know, they show no signs of, of instituting any meaningful change with regards to their content policies. So I think that um, it's just it's, it's going to be more of the same.
0: I mean, I, I just had a flash in my head of, you know, you and Joe and Mark Zuckerberg at the same table.
1: I would love that. I would love I that know you would. Yeah. Um, Tim and Ian were saying that the other day on on Tim's show. And I mean, if he would be wi- like I would be totally respectful of Mark. Like I of course am, you would. I'm I'm willing to be nuanced about, you know, a lot of the challenges with scaling an absolutely monster network. It is not easy. Um, you know, mistake like we make mistakes. I mean, we yeah. have we we have a you know more of a first amendment based policy. So I think we make way less mistakes, but mistakes absolutely do happen. But it all comes down to what is the appeals process? You know, is, can you talk to a human? Can, can you actually, um, can, can mistakes be corrected? And, and there's not a situation on Facebook where, well, first of all, it's really hard for, you know, mistakes usually don't get corrected on Facebook. And not only that, like most of the bans are not mistakes. I mean, you know, there's people who uh, will say, I mean, I got banned back in the day on Facebook for posting a piece of art. It was like an optical illusion. And I got banned for like six months for this. What? It was an optical illusion that looked like a hallway. But then if you kind of looked at it another way, it looked like like a, a female body. So it almost looked sort of like a naked female body, but it was like a hallway. (laughs) So, you know, probably their, you know, uh, computer vision systems made a mistake or, or maybe they, because it was an optical illusion that was against their terms. I have no idea, but I was banned for like six months for that. And that's just, uh, you know, it, it happened to me a couple of times and, That that's happening at scale. Those 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 kinds of mistakes. So and it's also odd. Like on Twitter, uh, a lot of people don't know this, but like full blown pornography is allowed. Right. That's not the case on Facebook. So there's this. It's kind of odd. Like Twitter is taking this very like overt uh, stance on on pornography, and like pornography is protected under the First Amendment. That's right. That's that's fine. Um, But then meanwhile you know, some people can, you know, make threats, other people can't make threats. Like there's all these other kind of ideological terms that they have, which I, you know, I could go down the list, but I, it's just everything is overcomplicated on these sites. Like people shouldn't have to be shaking in their boots about if I'm going to get banned. So that's why we've really been working on this whole sovereignty system where you know you own your identity you own your fault follow- you don't own your followers but you own your like connection to your followers with your your graph so you know you can like the the, the world we want to live in is that you can leave minds anytime you want but you bring your identity you bring your content you bring your follower graph and that's something that you own because look we all work so hard on building up these followings right. like it's ridiculous for a a, that we don't own them.
0: What does Facebook get right?
1: I think they, I mean, Instagram and WhatsApp and Facebook even are, um, they're beautifully designed. Right. You know, they, they are, they work really well. The video features, the, messaging. I mean, all of the design is great. And I think that, you know, stepping back, I mean, web two with Facebook and Google and everything and YouTube, they did change the game in terms in terms of democratizing uh, publishing. So, you know, it used to be that you just had the news networks and then suddenly everyone could be a blogger and everyone could, could, you know, basically become their own outlet. So that was game changing, and that that's like, that's always going to be a huge breakthrough that they made, and and they deserve credit for that. But you know, they've they've kind of stopped innovating in that sense. the the, the democracy the, the democratization ended as soon as people wanted ownership of of their stuff.
0: Mm. Yeah. So, you went to the University of Vermont, uh, and you know, it seems to me you had this idea of a, you know, of a social network. You had the ideas there. Did you think it was going to be this, what it's turned into, this kind of fight for, for censorship? Did you think it was going to be this difficult? Did you have, does anything surprise you now?
1: Hmm. I mean, Yeah, I definitely thought it was going to be this difficult. I mean, you did, you know, becoming, growing into like hundreds of millions, if not billions of users is, I mean, that's, that's just a incredible task. I mean, only a handful of companies have ever achieved achieved that in existence. So obviously it's sort of a David versus Goliath task in general, um, you know, I, I did know that the censorship was was going to be really bad. Yeah. I mean, because originally I was sort of asking myself like, okay, so none of these big social networks are, are open source. So that's a big opening for us. Yeah. Just being transparent and open source with the code and the algorithms is, you know, that's a big differentiator. But then in terms of the content policy, like if you look at the top 10 sites in the world now, or top 100, it's really funny, actually, it's, it's like all the big social networks, and then you got like a bunch of porn sites. (laughs) And, you know, and some of even like places like I think 4chan is on the top, top 100. And so you've got like these kind of more like underground um, forums. And I always found it really fascinating that we could visualize this sort of like split in like where global consciousness and attention was at just by looking at those sites. And so you've, you've kind of got this, this world where, you know, it's like this type of content and speech is happening on these sites. But then meanwhile, you know, most people are, you know, on their own. I'm not, you know, not everybody looks at porn and stuff, but I don't know. We all growing up with the internet would like look for, go looking for crazy websites and, right, you know, it's something that is very, everybody is like, wants to kind of have access to all the information. Cause I just don't think that you can be an educated person without really kind of going down some rabbit holes. Like you need to do that as a, as a person. It doesn't mean that you're going to adopt like the ideas or like want to go seek out that content repeatedly, but it's sort of like a necessary exercise to go through to like understand where your boundaries are, understand like learn about humanity. I mean, you know, there's this one site where I know uh, one of the founders, uh, his name's Hayden at Live Leak. Live Leak is this interesting site, which is... It's not really the same as it used to be, but it used to be this like site. It was like a video site where you could see just craziest videos, war videos, you know, all these like, like a lot of graphic stuff, violence, like just crazy town videos. And there's something just very human about it that it's like that exists. Like, I don't want to shield myself from the reality of what's happening on this planet So, you know, because in order to have an informed opinion about any topic, you need to have access to as much information as possible so that you can be educated to even develop an opinion that is valid. So this idea that we should be, you know, where all of our youth are kind of growing up and I'm not saying give kids access to all the crazy stuff until, you know, they're 18, Mm. but... You need to know what's going on in order to know what's bad. If you never see what's bad, you can't know what's good. Hmm. so I don't know. I just I, I take a pretty open view on it, and I think that it's a necessary process for for people to go through, not be told by Facebook like what is acceptable right
0: right you know so I started my tech company just to support you know, network support and application development firm in the nineties. And we ended up making some internal tools. We brought them to market and we started selling them. But I mean, that's a pure business to business model. So it's a much more niche, you know, audience, you know, we've got over 8,000 of these service providers using some of our, our apps. It's a different model now where advertisers ask to advertise in it and we give it away. But, you know, so, what keeps us up at night in that model is just you know that that those businesses are actually gaining expertise from it and hopefully that's helping their business run your model obviously is very different as it's going to consumers it's going to people uh, so what keeps you up at night with minds
1: I mean yeah, just making sure that the user experience is smooth, making sure that Hmm. Everything is working for people, Um, you know, keeping a stable infrastructure going, supporting millions of people is, is hard work. So, you know, and like little bugs sneak in there sometimes, like, you know, whatever it is, the email verification, when you sign up doesn't work. And then, so you're like, Oh, damn it. Everyone who signed up for the last 12 hours, you know, little stuff like that happens once in a while and that's really that it, it's frustrating but it happens to everybody right. i mean even even it, it even happens to the biggest apps in the world where stuff like randomly you know bugs leak in so you no know, but in terms of what keeps me up like definitely worried about deplatforming but at the same time we've structured ourselves so that we're quite independent like even at, like there's no we can't even get banned by clouds. Like we have a multi-cloud architecture, so even if Amazon had an issue with us, we would it wouldn't matter. Wow! Which isn't which isn't the case for a lot of applications that are like very locked into services on on certain certain clouds. And then beyond that, we're also using like decentralized protocols. There's this one that we've started integrating with called Noster. Nostr, which is a open protocol, basically powered by cryptographic keys, where everybody has a key. So now everybody on Minds has has you know crypto keys, which are you know your public key is kind of like your identity, and you can take that with you, and you can kind of use other clients, so you can access your Minds content actually through other clients um, that are built on Nostra, like other, other apps basically. And so that's been a huge deal. It's, it's all very new tech and, but it's going to be exploding over the, over the next five years because it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're a mainstream brand or a small content creator. Like the reality is that people want ownership of their network Mm -hmm. and It's just not worth the risk to not have that Um, because you never know. You never know what's going to happen with the algorithm. You never know what's going to happen with these companies. You spend five, 10 years building up a following and it gets stripped from you. I mean, it's just a bad business decision to, to be
0: overly reliant. It's fascinating to me that you, it seems to me that you spend, you're more concerned about the technology itself than the actual, than the censorship than the and that than that
1: um i mean it's not that i'm more like
0: how do you mean like censorship in what sense well it it seems to me like you're fighting the big fight bill i mean you know you're getting tackled by vice and these you know all of these you know uh media outlets and it's all about censorship it's all about deplatforming, and uh when we talk right now, I, I ask you what keeps you up at night. You mentioned a lot of the technology, which, by the way, I'm really fascinated with. But it it just seems to me that you're getting beat up a lot by the censorship issue more than the tech. And I don't hear you talking about the tech as much, like we like you did right now.
1: Yeah, um, I mean it's both. It's mm. both. I mean they're sort they're, they're they're pretty intertwined. Um, I'm very fascinated with the censorship stuff. I mean I'm I'm concerned with this the the censorship on on one hand because you know when these censorship events happen on other on other networks like we'll see a lot of growth from it and it's it's like it's built into our value proposition with the world you know so i i I think that i'm i'm you know i might be talking more about the tech now but i don't think that that is necessarily indicative of my overall interest and we just wrote like a huge paper about censorship. So I'm pretty obsessed with censorship.
0: Yeah, you are. Yeah, Yeah, which you should be. uh, Explain the experience. What was it like being invited to the White House in 2019 by the Trump administration for the social media summit?
1: It was okay. Um, You know, I think that it was pretty fascinating that they did that. Um, I mean, the fact that the President of the United States was banned right after you know his term was was shocking and he you know he knew that that was coming i think which is why he held that summit it wasn't really as productive as i would have mm. liked i also don't think that he invited enough people on the left who have experienced censorship uh-huh. you know most people associate the the deplatforming with the right wing but there's actually a huge uh, impact on progressive like you know anti-authoritarian voices on that side as well. And so they, they weren't really there, which I think was a missed opportunity. And it, it caused that summit to be pigeonholed as mm. just sort of like a right wing thing. So that was one criticism, but you know, I overall, like there were some interesting speeches that were given. And I think it was, it was a relatively unprecedented type of event for the president to have to be talking about social media censorship. So I think that that's good. I think that it's too bad that, you know, Trump is such a polarizing figure Mm. because, um, you know, it's a really important topic. And I think that just because he was the one holding it, it caused a lot of people to just shut down. Like a lot of like for, for a huge portion of people, anything that Trump says is just like, they just want to do the opposite. So, you know, I don't I I think that, unfortunately, free speech took a bit of a blow during his term just because he supported it. So the left sort of started attacking it. And that's just I mean, it's not his fault that they did that. But. Yeah. I don't know. So it, it was, it was fine. It was nothing like breakthrough though. Mm. Uh,
0: why should consumers, why should people use minds? Just to
1: diversify, to protect yourself. Um, you know, mm. the thing is too, that uh, a lot of brands, a lot of individuals will be posting on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and they barely get any reach. You know, even though those sites have huge user bases, the algorithms are set up in a way that makes it pretty hard to grow organically. Even if you advertise, it's honestly, you don't get great results. So even though we're much smaller, like our community is very kind of dedicated and active. And we see like, creators getting way better reach on minds than they get on Twitter. Hmm. So because at the end of the day, it's irrelevant if the network has a billion users, if you can't reach anybody, right? It's, it means absolutely nothing. But we have this whole system where you can earn exposure through. So we you earn tokens for engagement that you receive. And then one token is worth a thousand views. So you can use your tokens that you earn just for participating to boost your content and kind of get seen. And that is, it's one of the more popular features on the app and people really love it. So, you know, you actually have the, uh, event out of the void of, of, you know, your, you know, your immediate following, which makes it much easier to grow. So, you know, there's that. And then it's like, it's just like, you got to participate in things that you think are important. I mean, if you think that these ideas are important, then it's good to use apps that care about those ideas. Like, and it's not just us, it's your browser, it's your, you know, all different apps, like use, use apps. It's not saying ditch big tech completely, but also, you know poke your head into these other places once in a while because your attention is what causes things to grow. Hmm. So it's easy to just stay addicted to Facebook and, you know, only use like Chrome or Safari, but that's, it's a very easy habit to change. Actually. Like if you just change your default browser, you know, you make minds like a regular stop. It has a huge effect in mass when a lot of people change their like small behaviors like that. So yeah, I think that it's it's just a matter of if, if we want to see the world change and move towards, uh you know, these types of principles, then, you know, you got to walk the walk a little bit.
0: Yeah, I, when I first saw you on Rogue, and I saw you the first time, then of course, I saw you with with, with Daryl Davis was, was incredible, incredible man. Of course. Uh, I, I looked at minds, uh, and I never went back. And then when, you know, when we were going to talk, I went through and I set up, you know, the podcast account, I uploaded an episode, uh, you know, I, so I'm going to start continuing to do that. And, you know, I'd encourage others to do that as well. Like you said, to kind of, you know, broaden and just changing those kinds of habits will, We'll make a big in. We'll make a big change.
1: Nice. I just found you, so I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll help. I'll help you figure out how to get some tokens and blast your episodes a little bit harder. Um. So, good stuff. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Definitely. Also, you know, we have the mobile apps as well, and it's just kind of like altering your routine, like, cause we're all so addicted, you know, I'm not innocent. Like, you know, I use YouTube pretty aggressively. Sure. Um, and you know, but small moves mean a lot and, and can have huge impact. And so, yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, changing your diet kind of, it's not easy, but huh. once you do, it becomes easier and your body becomes less dependent on the crap and then you start to find the value and and your gut biome changes.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. How's your wife doing? I remember you talking about that. She had to change her old diet. You went from vegan back to non-vegan and she went to another diet. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. She's great. We're about to have another baby. I uh, got a boy coming in like the next week. So that, that'll, be, that'll be huge. Congratulations. And yeah, no, it's been... Yeah, we were both vegan for years and then we've been mostly like um yeah eating eating lots of meat and the whole we're not carnivore we eat a lot of fruit yeah, fair, amount, fair amount of like raw dairy and i mean that's all you need it's i feel way healthier i it, i i never would have expected to i i had totally accepted i was never gonna eat meat again hmm. and because i do still i didn't i'm not one of those people that like completely rejects veganism i think that the ethics behind it are you know really interesting and you know there's this one particular uh, vegan who i think is a great debater and has has solid arguments this guy earthling ed um, and the only the, the main issue with it which I don't think he has a great answer for is that, you know, global veganism really does rely on supply chains and like a globalized world because, you know, in certain geographies, it's just not, you just cannot get access to a diverse amount of vegan food. And, you know there's also all kinds of issues with like the almond industry and mm. you know big, big the big vegan world like you know it does actually cause a lot of um a lot of animal death in terms of the agriculture that being said like i mean yeah it's it's just nuanced like if it, it's it's better to be probably in a a certain type of vegan than to be eating like all factory farm food and like Mm. crap from McDonald's and Walmart. You know, I would rather be a good vegan than, you know, eat that type of meat. But if you're eating like really good quality or hunted meat and, you know, that's, that's kind of the holy grail. But I don't know. I don't really know where I think the world is going to be in, like, a thousand years because I think that over time, as we learn more about consciousness, we're going to learn that it's, like, how deeply messed up it is, how we're treating animals. And it's just going to become more and more obvious and Absolutely. unacceptable. So I don't know. I don't know where we're going to be. I'm I'm not stuck in in my ways either. but. You know the reality is that vegan food is harder on your digestive system which my wife's story like really proves yeah for anyone who doesn't know like she um had crohn's disease and completely and was being told by doctors you have to take intravenous uh this drug called remicade for the rest of your life every six right. weeks you know you gotta go it's basically like chemo and she was like no <laughs> started eating just like kefir probiotics salmon you know soft vegetables cabbage juice and completely reversed all the ulcers and Crohn's and now she's in remission it's amazing it's insane and it's like the the gastro uh doctor is so clueless like had no idea about anything having to do with the um with with any of the studies related to cabbage juice or um, kefir or, and like, it's like these people aren't nutritionists and, and doctors, it should be a requirement to be a nutritionist, to even be giving people medical advice. So I, you know, I think that's becoming more common knowledge, but it's just so terrifying how doctors will just lead you down these roads and they're, but they're actually completely uneducated about alternatives, which are, which are, it's, it's not just like woo woo, you know, naturopath alternative. Right. It's like, you know, there's real studies and validity around these strategies. So, um, yeah, it's good. I ate a, I ate a burger for
0: breakfast. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. I, I think, uh, you know, I think the biggest issue or one, at least top three issue in our country is just obesity and, and being overweight. And, uh, you know, the American diet is, you know, addicted to sugar and, Um, you know, which brings me to my, my next point, you know, I started my company back in the nineties, like I mentioned, and I had stopped working out bill and I was eating a lot of pizzas, like great pizza in this state and, 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 uh, soda. And next thing I know was up to 340 pounds. The doctor said, look, if you don't lose, you know, if you're pre-diabetic, pre-hypertensive, if you don't lose this weight, you're not going to see your daughter graduate, you know, and that, that's all I needed to hear. I didn't tell anybody, but I cut everything in half. You know, I only drank water instead of the sugar, you know, and I lost you know, 140 pounds, people ask me, how did I lose it? Like it's some secret. And I said, you know, just discipline, right? I, there's no, there's everybody wants like doctors prescribe a pill, you know, you're sick, you're your wife, you just got to take medicine, medicine, just do it yourself. Just, I just did it myself. Uh, so, you know, the common thread I have when I talk to people is discipline. And I just I wonder how discipline plays a role in your life. Do you consider yourself disciplined through college to creating this platform mm. and all the debates that you have with censorship? Where does discipline play a role in your life?
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I grind hard and it's just b- being able to align you know, my company, what I do for a living with what I am intellectually interested in is like, you know, that's that's the goldmine because it's so much easier to be disciplined when you love what you're being disciplined about. Mm. So I think that that's kind of the first step is to do do the best you can to position yourself in a place where, um, where you can have that alignment. And then, you know, in terms of like health stuff, I've always been like relatively healthy and active it's more honestly fitness wise over the last five you know i've always been very skinny um and but like was always very athletic and i I, i've kind of gone through spurts of like trying to gain weight and trying to trying to grow muscle in the last couple months it's some of the best i've ever done we have been going like at least you know four or five times a week and like doing heavy lifting having a having a i have a a buddy who, who works with minds uh, who we've been working out pretty much every day that together. Having, having people, having a support system yeah. around you to help, you know, co-motivate is completely essential. Right. I mean, I've done these challenges before with friends. Like we did a burpee challenge. Um, I've done like where we did a hundred burpees a day for a hundred days. And we had like a huge group of us doing it. And we had a text thread where we're all like updating each other every day, making sure you're staying accountable. You know, accountability is, is absolutely huge and doing things on your own. I mean, I see in your case, it seems like, you know, you found that inspiration, you know, with um, kind of the, the risk that your doctor pervade to you about, you know, being able to see your daughter graduate. Obviously that's extremely powerful. I haven't had like a, And I think in my wife's situation, it was like, yeah, it was like an existential Mm. health risk that kind of got her into it. But if you don't have an existential health risk, I think there's a whole group of people who are sort of in this middle ground world where they don't get disciplined about health because they don't have any urgent problems, but there's, but that doesn't mean that, that they're healthy. And, and so that's where the, I think the community accountability to try to get to your, to to try to reach goals together is, is really important because yeah, if without the existential stuff, you need, you need, you do need help. You need something to help drive.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You need some kind of, uh, outside motivation. Did you ever, you were talking to Joe about making the hundred, uh, the burpee, something to do throughout the company. And you were kind of bouncing that off him, did you ever make that happen? Like a challenge? No,
1: no. I don't think that it's it's hard to do. It's hard. I mean, yeah. I think that it's a little bit too invasive to do. I never yeah. tried. I kinda I kinda brought it up. There were a couple of people that were interested in doing it. But, you know, I think that it's probably better for people to do that kind of thing in their own. I know that some companies have like exercise perks. I've heard. I th- sure. Um. I would do it. I would do it. But yeah, ha- haven't done it yet. I don't know. We didn't. We didn't get enough interest that I really thought that it would make sense. <laughs>
0: And I get a decent amount of pushback uh, when I talk about discipline. I, I have no – I don't demand everybody to be disciplined. In fact, I'm not disciplined in many areas. But I, the biggest pushback I, I get is you know, people need compassion. More than discipline, or they need more love than discipline. And I don't think it's a, you know, kind of a, it needs to be everywhere. And I just want to hear people's view on it. I don't, I'm not here to debate it. I just want to see what their perspective is. But I do get a decent amount of pushback from it. Are you surprised by that?
1: Surprised that you get pushback?
0: Yeah, and discipline. I mean, some have like a militant, you know, you know that they, they think, well, you know, I don't discipline my children. I, I'm not really discipline isn't part of my life. Discipline,
1: said, it 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 means, yeah, I I think it sort of means different things. It's like in in one sense, like you're saying, like disciplining your children has a little bit more of like a militaristic kind of idea around it. But I think that generally speaking, discipline is. Is more so just about training yourself to do things that you know you don't necessarily want to do, but do kind of ultimately want to do, and um, push back on it. That yeah, that doesn't really make too much sense to me. I think that people who push back on discipline are probably doing that for a reason um but people can have their own implementations of it like i don't think that you need to be disciplined in every area of your life as long as you have some things that are you know being disciplined in every aspect is you know that's kind of missing some of the joy of life
0: yeah reality as well yeah
1: so yeah, I think I think you can go can go overboard, but you know, without it it's just like you feel like crap. So, I don't know. Yeah.
0: Hey, maybe there's some censorship on discipline that's going to start arising. I I hope not.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, you you know this from personal experience, but like a lot of the uh, you know, the stuff with fat shaming, right? is become like what are what are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I, You know, during the pandemic, we never heard the government once say, hey, this is a great time for everybody to start walking. This is a great time for America to get in shape. You never hear a politician say obesity and overweight, which I believe is over 70% in our country. You know, let's do something about it. You know, because the constituents will say, well, he or she is fat shaming me. They think I'm fat. I'm not going to vote for them. So no, they don't. I think that's the, you know, that's what they talk about. I mean, uh, I lost the weight, Bill. I'm not remarkable at all. I just focused and, and got there and I, and I've kept it off. Of course I could stand to lose a couple more now, but you know, I I could do it. So fat shaming is a, is a very tough topic. Do you, do you run into that a lot in minds?
1: I mean, not really. Like I, Probably. I mean, people talk about obesity for sure. I think that the thing with fat shaming is that it is sort of a censored topic. Like people will, um, I wouldn't be surprised if people have been banned from Twitter or something for, Hmm. for talking about it. Um, And yeah, I, 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 think that to each their own, I mean, some people I've heard, you know, fat shaming has helped motivate them. Right. Other other people, it's probably not the right approach and can just cause them to become more depressed and, you know, more unhealthy. So, you know, typically I don't think that shaming is, is the right approach, but, you know, confronting problems when they're presented, you know, it's more, it's, it's not so much fat, fat shaming that I think should be promoted, but like, you know, confronting obesity is obviously necessary. And other health ailments. It's 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 not about one or the other. Another thing that I I am very disciplined about is walking, hmm. which particularly for um, obese people, but honestly anybody in any like walking is amazing exercise. Yes, it is. It is the easiest thing to do that has the greatest impact. It gets your heart rate up just enough, you know. It gets your brain going. I think. Some of my, you know, most creatively when I'm walking mm. and so that, yeah, I, I, I'm, I can't recommend it enough. And it's weird that it even has to be recommended because <laughs> it's just walking, but it's like true. people, people who are feeling stuck or like, oh, I just don't, I hate running. I hate, I don't like working out. Like just walk. Yeah. I mean, if you, like, you got to walk far. I mean, you know, go walking for like a couple hours every day, but like, it's not hard to walk a couple hours. So, um, I don't know. Did you walk much in your, in your process?
0: Yeah, I actually, you know, I worked out every day. I ended up doing some triathlons. I ended up, you know, doing some CrossFit, but some simple tips, like when you go to a store, park the car far away. Hmm. So you walk a little, don't take any escalators, or elevators, take stairs. You know, just some simple, like you mentioned, some simple things about changing your browser, you know, changing some of your kind of small habits like that. Those things end up stacking up and doing really well you know, uh, I, I have, I happen to play golf. And so I walk when I play golf, you know, I push a cart, I used to carry it. I hurt my shoulder. I walk. It's about five mile walk. Of course, some say it's a bad walk or spoiled, but you know, just walking like that is, is really simple to do. And you mentioned fat shaming before, like you had the singer Adele who lost a lot of weight, you know, and, uh, people are upset with her because now, you know, she's fat shaming those that were, you know, it's, it's a hard, hard area to navigate. And, uh, well, I, I, I only hope that things get better there because it's a serious issue in our country. Uh, Bill, what motivates you? Um,
1: I would say, you know, my family, desire to kind of know what's going on in the world. I definitely feel like and this gets into a lot of, you know, the mind's focus on on transparency and and censorship but like you know, in a sense I'm using like my personal um you know, I'm trying to solve problems for myself through the app. Hmm. So you know, I want a network where I can, you know, have full access to information. So, you know, I build it. Um, But I really want the world to get to a place where, you know, where we have access to, you know, the reality of what is going on. Like, I want to know what the government's up to. I want to know what corporations are up to. I want transparency. I want disclosure about, you know, all of the all of the famous conspiracies. Like I want to know why we're here. I want to know what is going on with consciousness. I want to know, you know, I, I don't want to just coast through life, not getting to the bottom of, of reality. Mm. And so, yeah, a lot of that is, is behind what I'm trying to do. Like I want to learn what is going on and, I think that's kind of unique. I don't, I, I don't think it definitely, there's a lot, there's an ever growing population of people who are truly inspired by like figuring out what's going on in the world. But yeah, it's a big one for me.
0: Hmm. And how, how do you measure success? Um,
1: with the company or with myself? Both. Um, I think that I just sort of observe, well, with myself, like, I'm learning more. And Hmm. I think that we're seeing the world around us kind of seek this information more. And the internet is helping with that. And then, you know, with minds, like, you know, we measure success based on based on the reaction of the community, based on, you know, metrics, growth, growth metrics that we, that we track. And, um, but you know, again, even with our app, it's like, yeah, we have, we have analytics and whatnot, but at the end of the day for me, it's like, am do I want to use it? Like, Mm. not that I don't want to be like, I don't want to make myself addicted to it you know we're not trying to engineer addiction um, in the way that big tech apps are but how we were talking before about there's sort of this common design among big tech apps and like there's these certain features that people are sort of reaching consensus on um which are incredibly valuable you know i want minds to kind of achieve that and be I, i want to to Know that I can open minds and get more of a real taste of of what's going on, so you know when I open and if i if I check Twitter, I know that it's going to be a little bit dumbed down. you know I want to open minds and know that I'm getting a little bit of a of a stronger dose of reality hmm.
0: Hmm. and does you do you use? like this is what we're talking about now, if we wanted to, if I want to find out more about discipline, I, in the episode that I put up, I hashtag discipline. Uh, like I, I could just do that the same way that I could do those other platforms. I could search for discipline or I, I am a big English premier soccer fan. So I looked up Manchester city yesterday when they were playing. Uh, and I just found, uh, found a couple of pieces on that. I mean, that's the way you would use it as well. Yeah. Yeah,
1: for sure. Um, Go down the rabbit hole for sure. Mm. Um, you know, it's gonna be it my. It's it's not quite. It's not necessarily as you know. We just don't have the the sheer volume of of live content that some of these bigger networks are. So you know, you kind of gotta go find. Sometimes you gotta really dig a little bit harder. Mm. But you know they're there. Like I, I you know, I I just followed you, so you can you can follow me. You can check check out my feed, like go in into a rabbit hole from there. And you know, we find that people on Minds are very exploratory and kind of trying to connect with new people, as opposed to necessarily like their friends or Hmm. um, people that they already know and which is pretty unique. I think that that's more similar to like Reddit, you know, whereas like Facebook, you're like trying to connect with your friends, right? Twitter, you're like following like news, you know, minds is, is very much about like connecting with new people, expanding hmm. your horizons more. So um, it's not always about just trying to find, you know, limit yourself to like necessarily like what your expertise is in.
0: Very well, well, bill, th- thanks so much for your time today, man. I-, I really appreciate it you know i I see your interviews and uh I, I read your stuff and i just I just get to feel it, man you're just fighting the fight and sometimes i I see you, and you seem a little exhausted. Like you're, like you know, like you're just fighting this man. And I just like, how can I help it, man? I mean, I'm with you. I just see you. I see you fighting. Play golf. You said you play golf. I Here. do play golf. I play I tennis. I play uh, jiu jitsu. Nice. I have some outlets. You know, well, I'm down.
1: It seems like we're only like 25 minutes away from each other. That's so true. We we'll get together not. and have a have maybe, a. Maybe I'll challenge you in tennis uh, in the fall. I'm I'm about to have a baby, but you know, after that, let's let's link up. And yeah, man, I, it's funny that you say that, you know, I'm definitely in the trenches. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's not easy, but it's all good. Like I enjoy the process and I'm also, you know, not trying to be impatient with it. It's weird too, to be thrown in this situation where people almost people want us to be competing with Facebook and Google. And that's, that's a little bit of a unique position to be put in. Like most times you start a company and if you had as many users just as we have now, it would be like, okay, we were successful. We're done. Yeah. We're done. (laughs) But for us, like it's, you know, the sky's the limit. Like there is no limit. There's success is only like, you know, becoming bigger than Google and Facebook. I, I, we absolutely can and will be a successful company before reaching those um those milestones but it it's a weird dynamic where we're being pinned against these goliaths so i think it's it, it's harder than i think most startups because of the expectations that people have for us right So I, you know, it's, but whatever, I'm not complaining about that. It's also flattering to even have that be something that people consider a a possibility. So I'm, you know, I'm not
0: complaining right it could be worse yeah it it definitely could be worse yeah well thanks again for your time today and uh, yeah i'll take you up on that once your baby's born and get everything situated there we'll get together and have a drink and maybe play some tennis uh whatever it takes but thanks so much for your time i hope we get to do it again and i look forward to diving deeper into minds and uh you know uh being part of this community thanks so much joe great talking to you Thank you for listening and or viewing Joey Pins Discipline Conversations. Please share this episode with one or two of your friends who you think may benefit from the episode. Our website www.joeypins.com. There you find lots of resources and you could join our mailing list. Please follow us on all our social media Instagram, Twitter and Facebook podcast information the video version of our podcast is on youtube please subscribe audio is on all major podcasting platforms please follow them and if you like it please consider giving five-star rating would really appreciate that would you like to financially support the podcast you can go to our patreon site consider five ten or twenty dollars a month there's all kind of plans that we have there It's like a one-time payment. What is this podcast episode worth to you? $25, $50, $100, $500, $1,000, $5,000. You be the judge. You can go to our PayPal account to do that as well. Thank you again for listening or watching Joey Pins Discipline Conversations.